0: The Bread and Better podcast acknowledges the Yagara people and the Turbal people as the traditional custodians of Mingjin, the lands on which we record today. We pay our respects to the Yagara and Turbal elders, past, present, and emerging. This podcast is brought to you by. Al. Productions.
1: Ah, no, no, Did I say good? Just to get you it one more time? Maybe just in case. Okay. Go. Bread and Better
0: Podcast. <laughs> okay. Bread and Better Podcast. I feel like I'm. <clears throat> Bread and Better
1: Podcast. Hi, I'm Tegan, dog mum to Kenny, auntie Teague to my godchildren, coach to my clients and the honest friend you might not have asked for. <laughs> And I'm Alex. I'm a freelance
0: feature writer, a producer, and the owner of Hey Our Productions. I'm a mum of three little rat bags. I love coffee and food, but as you will learn from this episode, food does not love me.
1: Before we get started today, we want to thank everyone who has left us a review on Apple and a star rating on Spotify. We appreciate it so much, and we have been loving all of your great feedback Our aim with this podcast is to provide information and start an honest conversation that helps the women of our generation begin to heal their relationships with their food, movement and their bodies. Ratings and reviews really help us spread the message further.
0: On a less serious note, we also want to entertain, so we hope you are enjoying all of our favorite little segments. We love hearing that you are getting so much out of these episodes, and we hope that you continue to feel empowered and equipped to go out there and kick your
1: goals no matter what they might be. As you'll know, if you've listened before, and if you haven't, then hello and welcome. Each week, we love to start the episode on a food positive note by discussing our favorite thing we ate during the week. So do you want to get us started? Um, Every time we go to Sydney, we go to this bakery called the Grumpy Baker, and they have a really good beef sausage roll. Oh, yum. I'm not usually a sausage roll person. It's really? not something that I would go for um, or just pick out of the blue. It was only because our friends that live there recommended it. Yeah. Um. And now every single time we go to Sydney we make sure that we go to the Grumpy Baker and we get a sausage roll. Yeah, I love sausage rolls. And pies. They used to be my favourite food. I used yeah. to have them together, a sausage roll and a
0: pie, every time I went to a bakery.
1: Yeah, look, I wouldn't. Jump up and down for one usually, but the ones there I think they put dates in oh. them in the, the mints and it's like a little bit sweet and it's just like got really good pastry. Yeah. Very good. That sounds delicious. What about you?
0: Well, mine it's something I make all the time. It's something the kids really love. It's just a really easy porn pasta and we haven't had it in a few weeks. Did too. you say
1: porn pasta?
0: <laughs> prawn. (laughs) Yes, prawn star pasta, Uh, prawn pasta. Yes, so we haven't had it in a few weeks and I was really excited to have it when we got back from Japan. So it's literally just, I think we just buy that pack of prawns from Coles. It's literally nothing fancy and they're pretty good. Sometimes you can get two packs for like $20. I use the FODMAP for you red wine pasta sauce, which is delicious and gluten-free barilla spaghetti and baby spinach and that's it.
1: That sounds so easy. Yeah. You and need to do so like good. a girl dinner reel of that meal because, yes. and it's really good for you because prawns are so high in protein yeah. and low in fat. I
0: love prawns. It's a really delicious, like very easy meal. And actually I made something else, which suits that whole easy girl, easy girl, <laughs> easy girl dinner, <laughs> easy girl dinner. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> which suits that whole girl dinner aesthetic. I didn't have much food in the like fridge or cupboard because we have just gone back, but there's this really nice new gluten-free pasta at first I didn't like it and it I was like, it tastes weird. And and Kev said yeah because it tastes like real pasta it so oh, I was like you weren't used to it. okay but it's really good anyway so that's all I had and I had balsamic glaze as I always use so that's my favorite thing and a punnet of cherry tomatoes so I literally just in that Olivani butter stuff I cooked like reduced the tomatoes that we cooked, like you know squashed them and yeah cooked them <laughs> <laughs> cooked them <Yep. laughs> and added some balsamic glaze and let it go all like sticky and yummy and I cooked that pasta
1: and I just mixed it through it so easy. It was delicious. So easy. Yep. I think that pasta is definitely my girl dinner. Yeah. You can always just throw together pasta. It's People so that don't easy. like pasta I don't really understand.
0: I didn't like pasta growing up. I thought it was disgusting. I didn't like lasagna or anything.
1: What? Yeah, I hate it. Lasagna is my favorite food and it's the first meal that I ever like nailed. Wow. Like it's like probably my signature dish. It's really hard to make. You'll have to try and make me one. I've made a I've like... made gluten-free I haven't made dairy free. I've made, made gluten-free pasta before. Nice. With rice flour. Um, oh what well, you made the pasta. No. Oh, okay. I, was I bought say. the pasta. Right. I have tried to make gluten-free pasta before and it is very, very hard Same. because Because the gluten in the flour is what makes it elastic. Yeah. So I've tried, what do you add, the um, agar? No, it wasn't agar. It's like one of the other things. People use it to make their smoothies really fluffy. Chia seeds? No. It's Mm -hmm. some other additive that's supposed to make things like fluffy without making it, like without using gluten, but it was really bad.
0: Yeah, I tried to make it during lockdown. We got a pasta maker and thought that'd be really fun and it was it's
1: so hard. So hard and
0: disgusting. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think, yeah. It's just I can do gluten-free gnocchi. Yeah.
0: Oh, yum! Yeah. I love gnocchi. Gnocchi very easy. I used to make like a easy.
1: warm gnocchi salad with
0: like um, tomatoes and
1: chorizo and balsamic glaze and stuff. And yeah, yum. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yum. So good. As you'll know, if you listen to the first season, even though we've been in the same friendship circle for a few years now, Alex and I are only starting to get to know each other properly uh, since beginning the podcast. So there's still a lot to learn about one another. And one of the things I don't actually know a lot about is Alex's chronic health conditions. So I really wanted to do an episode around that to learn a little bit more. I've seen the repercussions of what (laughs) happens and she's having a pretty tough time today. So it's probably timely that we're doing this episode. I mean, not timely for you, it's (laughs) terrible. No, but yeah. Um, But I always try my hardest to be supportive friend to those that I know more that have food intolerances. I don't have a lot of people in my life that have chronic health issues and I would love to expand my knowledge by hearing more about your experience and how we can support someone that is going through something like this or even a very similar journey.
0: Yeah thank you and yes you're always very supportive of me like for example today I'm feeling very sick but I never feel stressed or anxious about coming here when I'm feeling sick because you're very understanding which is nice and I think it's great that you want to learn more about how to help people in my situation. But yeah, there's a few issues at play and it's something I don't often go into a lot with people because I don't want to come across as like sickly. I don't want people like feeling bad for me and I don't want to make it my whole identity. Like I just don't want it to be like the first thing you think of when you think of me is, you know, oh, she's so sick all the time. And I also, on the flip side of that, I do like people that are close to me to know so that they don't think I'm flaky if I cancel
1: plans or if I ditch somewhere quickly because I'm feeling really sick. Yeah, totally. Um, and in the script here, it says that I saw how sick you got in ep three. However, (laughs) you're quite unwell today, but you are pushing through, um, because you definitely have a show must go on mentality when it comes to the podcast. So can you tell us a little bit more about the conditions that you personally struggle with? Yes. So I
0: grew up with a really sensitive stomach. Like if there was anything going around, I would catch it. I had food poisoning heaps of times. I was just, yeah, always quite sick. I dealt with a lot of gut issues, but I often put that down to anxiety as well, especially in my teen years. When I left school, I was sick a lot. And then the doctor put me on a gluten-free diet pretty much as soon as I finished school.
1: Right. So obviously gluten-free options have come quite a long way since then, but what was your experience like at that time? Uh, Yeah, it was really limited Uh, The bread tasted like cardboard. It was disgusting. I remember when I used to work at the coffee club, we had gluten-free bread and it was just that square loaf and everybody was like, if you don't toast it, it's inedible. And it looked like dense. <laughs> it
0: was so dense. Yeah. And it was only really nice toasted with Vegemite. You couldn't make a sandwich out of it or anything. And the only like sweet thing there was, was friands Do you remember
1: that? Oh yes. There was <laughs> always a friand always a raspberry yeah. friand. Yes. a And they were so
0: dry. I just never want to eat another friand in my life. Or like a really crappy cookie that was wrapped in its so yes. own it wrapping. And <laughs> it was only like... White chocolate macadamia, it was never anything exciting and it would crumble as soon as she opened it. But very fortunate now, it's very different. It's really easy to find good gluten-free things in the supermarket. It's a bit harder when you're out. But, yes, because it was really limited and hard to find things and I'll be really honest, I didn't take my allergies very seriously at all. Even when I was just lactose intolerant, like I would still go out and have a McFlurry and just like suffer the consequences of that. And yeah, so when I was younger, when I was first put on the gluten-free diet, I would eat gluten-free stuff at home, but then I would go out and get drunk and like smash a whole New York slice pizza
1: (laughs) and I'd be super sick the next day. So I know now that you take your gluten-free diet very seriously mm. and I know that our friend Meg who's recently diagnosed has been really conscious of taking her celiac diet very seriously but I do know that there are other people out there that don't. And yeah. I, I think like I, just in the limited knowledge that I have, that can be really dangerous, right?
0: Yeah, very dangerous and I do regret it a lot uh, because I know now from research and seeing so many specialists that the more gluten you eat, the more damage it's doing. And so I probably did do permanent damage back then by still eating gluten. But in saying that, it's also hard when you're young and it's hard when you don't know a lot about it. And at that stage, I was still eating gluten to be polite. Like if I went to someone's house and they'd gone to a lot of effort to make a meal, I would still eat it and then just be super sick. So yeah, it's tricky. It's
1: hard. And that's probably something that we can loop back to uh, when we're talking about how to support people, you know, that do have these allergies to not present them with food that that might have gluten in it or that maybe even that they have to ask. Like if you know that someone that you care about does have an allergy, I like to try and go above and beyond and be like, I just want you to let you know that you can eat that or you can't eat this. But I know that, you know, some people wouldn't feel comfortable maybe even asking the question. So they might be taking the risk. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the best things is,
0: for example, Georgia, like our friend Georgia made me uh, a really nice dinner not too long ago, and she'd kept a lot of the packets that she used to show me. Yeah, or like um, I have people that will send me a photo of something and be like, is this okay? And I can be like, yeah, that's gluten-free, but it's not (laughs) dairy-free. And it is really hard. I don't let a lot of people, I don't let, that doesn't sound very polite. I don't often.
1: No, I, I just say it. I don't <laughs> yeah. think it's impolite. No, I don't let a lot of people cook for me. So you still have this overarching <laughs> yeah. idea that you need to be polite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But your physical health is so much more important than being polite. Yeah, it's so true. I think that, and I mentioned this <laughs> to you when we were planning the episode <laughs> But I think that you need to create a Word document yeah, and definitely. be like, this is what I can't have. <laughs> These are the things that might fool you, like for people that think things that are gluten-free that aren't or dairy-free yeah. that aren't. These are the tricky things that, you know, might be in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I personally reference. would be like, sweet, I can run with this, yeah. let's go. Yeah,
0: challenge accepted. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah, it is hard, especially because of all the different allergies. But like you said, like people who really want to make your meal will definitely go to the effort and people who are too scared will just be honest. Yeah. So it's de- definitely always just important to be honest. And
1: there's so much with like cross-contamination. And I was just about to touch on that. And mm. I was going to say, because I have worked as a chef before, I'm very aware of cross-contamination. But I think that people that are just cooking at home wouldn't realize that they can't make a sandwich um, with normal bread and then make you a sandwich with gluten-free bread on that same board because yeah. even the crumbs are going to contaminate your food and that, that can make you sick, right? Yeah. Really sick. Oh yeah. The first time I was
0: sick uh, a few weeks ago when we were recording the week before I got really sick, I had some crumbs from Soul's fish fall into my chips without realizing from when we got fish and chips. And when I got to the bottom of the chip packet, I saw all the crumbs and I was like, ah, oh, shit. And I was very sick. Yeah, here but we go. I know. I have like such a prime example and I couldn't believe this happened yesterday. I said to Kev, I'm going to use this in the podcast. But we went to a little cafe yesterday at Burley Heads just to get some takeaway coffee and they had a whole row at the top of gluten-free and dairy-free like treats so I was so excited, I got myself like a brownie and I got the kids cookies and muffins that were just normal, not gluten-free and dairy-free. And the girl was so, so rude anyway. But when I picked up my food, she'd just shoved my brownie in the same bag with the cookies. And so I pulled the brownie out and it was covered in crumbs. And I went to her and I was saying, sorry. I'm a celiac. I can't eat this. Like, she goes, Oh, do you want me to scrape off the crumbs? And I was like, No. I was like, Can you get me a new brownie and put it in a separate bag, please? And she's like, Yeah, sure. Anyway, she does. And then she puts the other brownie back in yeah, the cabinet. I was
1: about to say, They're probably, <gasps> if, the they're, if they're that blase about it, they're probably not using separate. Oh, she wasn't using separate, separate tongs, like, tongs and yeah. all of those things. Like, yeah. When I did work at Coffee Club, we were very good with all of those things with allergies yeah. um, and making sure like things went on the toaster and on its own tray and and things like that. But I think people think that, oh, you know, what's a crumb going to do? Yeah, yeah, people just don't get it. And in like a direct
0: contrast to that, we went to Zambrero's for dinner on the way home from the coast and Kev was ordering my food and as soon as he said gluten-free burrito wrap, the girl was like, oh, is it for a celiac? And he was like, yeah, and she goes, just a second. She went and changed her gloves. She went and got all different utensils. She was so careful and that was so nice. So a little plug for Zambrero's, they have a whole – gluten-free and dairy-free menu option and they're very careful. So that was nice.
1: I think that, you know, if someone is ordering gluten-free, that places should be treating it as if it is an allergy anyway. But I do like when people ask if it's an allergy and they take extra care. Like I know that Grilled will always ask, like, is it an allergy? Um, And then I think that they take that extra care because, you know, there are people that do eat gluten-free as a health choice. Yeah. And that's their choice, each to their own. Yeah. But, you know, it is and and you know for you to be asked the question and to see the extra care that they take, like that must be really reassuring because like I've said to you before, I feel like if I was in your position, I'd just be like I'm never eating out again, which is yeah. terrible. because It can like be really daunting. Like Eating out is like one of the greatest joys in life. Yeah. You start the podcast by talking about it every single day. Yeah. Well, I didn't eat that
0: brownie, just so everyone knows. I gave it to the kids because I just couldn't risk it. After that, I was like, who knows what they've done with these. But, um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of anxiety around eating out for me. Like, for example, we're going out for Meg's dinner tonight. And like, even though she's a celiac as well, so I know she's picked somewhere that's gluten-friendly because I don't feel well this morning, I'm like... Like, oh my God, I'm already feeling sick. Like, this is so nerve wracking.
1: But what about when we went to Rickshaw's that time and I yes. was sitting between you two and I was like the gluten Nazi? <laughs> I was like asking the waiter, I'm like, <laughs> no, what's this one? <laughs> yeah. Does this one have onions? Yeah, you're so this? good.
0: Yeah. And he was really good actually. But yeah, it's nice to have friends there that I'm will like, like,
1: back you up. <laughs> have you seen that meme that's like, why do shy guys date like really abrasive girls? Yeah. <laughs> And it's like because someone has to tell the waiter that I ordered mashed potato, and it's not going to be me. I can be that for you guys. Yes, I love our that. Our friend Meg is quite shy. Yes, yeah, she um, is. So I'm more than happy to be the the loud one, making sure that her allergies are sorted. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's definitely nice to have someone in your corner supporting you. So let's talk a little bit. uh, Well, we'll go right back to what we were talking about was when you decided that you really needed to take your allergies seriously.
0: Yes. So as I said, I was a bit blasé in my early 20s. I had Oscar when I was... 25 and from there I started to get a lot more sick. There were also a few hormone issues at play as well but my doctor referred me to a gastroenterologist. I can never say that word but yes a gastroenterologist and at that stage we'd done the celiac blood test which came back negative because I was already on a gluten-free diet so the blood test didn't show any reaction because there was nothing to react to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people struggle
1: with that. People will go and get a, you know, celiac celiac test. But if they've already eliminated gluten, there's nothing for it to show. Yeah. So you kind of need to go and eat some gluten before you do the test. Yes, yeah.
0: It's really hard to diagnose. So I had all of the celiac symptoms even though I had the negative test. So at that stage they gave me a differential diagnosis uh, and then – I pretty much from there avoided all gluten. Um, but I didn't have a colonoscopy at that stage because I was having fertility issues and I was, you know, been trying for quite a while to have my second baby. And so that was my priority at the time. Um, but then after we had Magnolia, my daughter, I got even more sick again. I lost a lot of weight and I was really anemic. So then I had my first colonoscopy and that's when they officially diagnosed me as a celiac at the age of 30. So it was a pretty long process. Mm. It was about 12 years. Yeah, right. To get to that stage.
1: I hear a lot of people um, like get diagnosed later in life. Yeah. And they just hadn't put the two and two together. And then they were just like, oh, that makes a lot of sense about why I felt really like lethargic for years. Yeah. And they've had all of these symptoms that they didn't link to food necessarily.
0: Yeah. And I think because it has a lot of similar symptoms to other things, like one of the things I always thought I had was lupus that would come up all the time. But yeah, so that was at the age of 30. From that point, then I was super stressed. Like, I read every label. Like, prior to that, I was probably... Like I was reading labels, but if I was at a restaurant, I would just eat the sauce, so- like the sauce if it was there, like barbecue sauce on chips. I would just be like, "Oh, surely that doesn't have gluten." Mm. Whereas now I'll obviously read the label because most sauces do have gluten. So, so you really need to be you really have, the have to read all of the and labels and soy sauce, right? That's loaded with gluten. Yes, that's why I struggled so much to eat in Japan because soy sauce, and that's one of the things that I was actually. Some soy sauce is gluten free.
1: Yep, it'll be called soy sauce and it's gluten free. You got to buy gluten free soy sauce. Yeah,
0: or tamari. Most of the time tomorrow is gluten-free. But again, check that before you eat that as well. So I had another colonoscopy and endoscopy earlier this year and that showed a great deal of damage and inflammation. And as you know, I'm still really sick now. Uh, all the time. And not all of my symptoms can be explained by celiac disease. So at the moment, we're also looking into endometriosis. So I'm waiting for a laparoscopy for that as well,
1: because I have all the symptoms for that too. A few of my friends have had that. Yeah. uh, That surgery. Yeah. And and that could also, this is a tangent and something we're going to be talking about on the next episode, but that also could be linking to your fertility issues that you struggled with. Yes, definitely.
0: And also celiac disease causes fertility issues as well.
1: Oh, really? I didn't know that either.
0: Yeah. I didn't know that either until we were in the process of trying to have magnolia and that was something that I found out as well. So there's a lot of different repercussions.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So when you're saying about this damage and inflammation, is that caused by consuming gluten?
0: Yes. So celiac disease is an autoimmune disease. So the immune system reacts abnormally to gluten so you could have like the smallest amount like we're saying with the crumbs uh, and it can cause heaps of damage to the lining of the small intestine and this prevents the proper absorption of other food and nutrients and causes inflammation so as well as or I guess as a result of the celiac disease I also have chronic gastritis something that I have to manage all the time Uh, I was in hospital with it over Christmas and I've had a really bad flare up at the moment, just before I went to Japan. And that's kind of been going on ever since then. Most of the time I can keep it at bay by following a really strict diet. So I don't eat greasy food. I can't have
1: any dairy at all. And it's one of the reasons I don't drink alcohol. Um, so this is a very personal question, but what are the symptoms? So what are the symptoms of celiac disease, which is probably more common for our listeners and also of Gastritis.
0: Yeah. So people experience different symptoms with celiac disease, which is why it's really hard to diagnose. So I know some people who will get migraines and some people are asymptomatic. So I have a friend who's a celiac and she gets no symptoms whatsoever, which is kind of dangerous because she could have gluten and not even know and it's doing a lot of
1: damage. See, I have spoken to one of my clients who has is a diagnosed celiac, but yeah. she says like it doesn't affect her. So sometimes she'll still eat gluten.
0: Oh yeah. That's tricky.
1: Yeah. So some people have migraines and some people have no
0: symptoms at all. For me, I get an instant reaction. As you've seen, I have a little bit of trouble breathing. I get a rash on my chest and on my arms. I start projectile vomiting. I get extremely fatigued. So I've heard the fatigue one's pretty common symptom. Yeah. So I get the, with the instant reaction after I've been vomiting and everything, I'll feel so tired. Like I'll have to lay down for the rest of the afternoon. And then the symptoms after the instant reaction kind of last a few days, up to a week or two sometimes. So after the instant reaction, there'll be, you know, quite a few visits to the toilet over the next few days. And just, yeah, a lot of fatigue, sore joints. I get really sore fingers, like knuckles, oh, wow. and yeah, from all the inflammation. And with the gastritis, I get really bad pain under my ribs. And I in my shoulders. I get cramps every time I eat and then after a few days I start vomiting and often I'm vomiting blood um, and that normally gets better after a few weeks of starting the medication. Wow, that must be really scary. Yeah, it was pretty scary the first few times it happened. I was like, especially when I didn't know that it was gastritis, I have been in the ED for it a few times and it does cause pretty significant weight loss. But yeah, I also have von Willebrand's disease, which is a bleeding disorder. So that means that my blood doesn't clot properly. So that makes the bleeding in my stomach lining worse and harder to heal. So like the von Willebrand's disease just means everything takes a little bit longer. Like if I cut my finger, it'll bleed for like three days.
1: Wow. And I wonder, I I don't know, does that amplify the Reaction you're having to these other things because your body takes longer to heal? Yeah, I think so, definitely. So that makes a lot of sense. Do you
0: have a lot of pain? With the gastritis, I do have quite a bit of pain and, like, after gluten exposure I'll be in a little bit of pain but most of my pain is related to I have pelvic congestion syndrome. See, this is why I don't tell a lot of people about my health issues because it just sounds like a lot. But, yeah, I have pelvic congestion syndrome um, which has led to chronic pelvic neuropathy pain. So I do get quite a lot of pain from that.
1: Yeah, wow. So there's, yeah, quite a few different things at play and I can kind of see yeah why you wouldn't want to share because I guess at some point people are probably like wow <laughs> another thing yeah shit
0: I know yeah it does it does get a lot and people yeah I wonder what people <laughs> think like I don't know I shouldn't care what people think but I um, think this
1: conversation will be really helpful for other people that are dealing with chronic health issues and you know there often are a few different things happening so true people can definitely have a lot of different things
0: going on at the same time Uh, I guess with mine they are kind of connected in a way I also have bipolar disorder so there's a lot of research into the mind gut connection with that it's something that we can definitely go into more in another episode. It's not something that I share with a lot of people and this is the first time I've ever spoken about it publicly and that's not because I'm ashamed of it at all. I just like people to get to know me first just so that they don't have a preconceived idea about who I am. But yeah, I'd love to go into that though because I think that it's something that people don't know a lot about. There's a lot of stereotypes that we see on TV. But yeah, I don't think people really understand it but maybe there's someone listening that also lives with it and wants to hear about someone's similar lived experience so that they feel less alone
1: thank you so much for sharing thank you for sharing with me privately and thank you for now sharing publicly i'm very proud of you (laughs) and i think like you know i'm very passionate about the topic of mental health and i am looking forward to us speaking about it more on the podcast because i think it's really important conversation and you should be really proud that you can share thank you yeah i do feel proud it's taken a long time to get to this point So one of the reasons that I wanted to do this episode, obviously, selfishly, I do want to cook for you, so I need to know all the deets, but if you could get that Word document together, that would be really helpful. (laughs) I will. Uh, But we always like to have a tangible takeaway for all of our listeners and obviously the people that are listening that do have chronic health issues will get a lot out of this in the feeling of community and hearing someone else's experience. But for those of us who don't suffer from chronic health issues, how can we support a friend or loved one that does? I think that's so great
0: that you want to know more about how to support people and that there's other people out there that want to learn as well. I'm very lucky to have really supportive and understanding people in my life. I guess one of the biggest things is just checking in on people when you know they've had a flare-up or maybe if they've retreated a little bit. It can be really isolating when you're feeling really sick and you're kind of stuck at home. So it's nice to have people message you and let you know that let them let you know that they're thinking of you
1: yeah and it's probably important to remember when they're messaging you as well that you're not looking for a solution like it's not like hey you should try this or yes you should just not go there or you should just eat at home like I've said but um I think that that's you know similar to when people are having struggles with their mental health people don't say anything because they don't know what to say and all you have to do is be there yeah
0: totally like I think it's with a lot of things like literally all you just want to hear is someone say like that's so shit I'm so sorry you're going through that.
1: Yeah, I do have another friend that struggles with some chronic health issues, and she said that I'm always really good at being like, that sucks. You are... Yeah. The first time I was
0: um, sick around you, I got, yeah, you were so like lovely in following up and messaging me for the next few days. But yeah, you were just like, oh my God, that's fucked.
1: Because like the w- main way you can support someone through anything is to make their experience validated. Yeah. Yeah. Just acknowledge what they're going through. Yeah. Like not try and find them a solution. Just yeah. be like, this is fucking shit. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sorry that th- this is happening to you. Yeah. One of the th- worst things, and we'll go into some of these a bit later, is when people are like, oh, well, it could be worse. Like how? You just don't want to hear that. What, I could be dead?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: What What a fucking stupid thing to say. I know, I know. (laughs) I have a a real issue with toxic positivity. Oh, my God, same. And I think, like, people probably find that shocking because I am a very positive person. But you're a genuinely positive person. But sometimes I want to and I am, like, very select with the person that I will message if I'm looking for, uh, what's the word, not solutions i'm just looking for support yeah like sometimes i just want someone to be like dude that fucking sucks yeah not to be like don't worry things are gonna get better or look on the bright side yeah, yeah. sometimes i just want someone to be like yeah that's shit and yeah. and that's okay yeah i yeah.
0: even like oh my god you poor thing like you go through so much like that's that's validating that's all you want to hear
1: yeah totally so yeah. just like unless you're a gp and be like yeah <laughs> yeah unless, unless you're a gp don't give you. unless you're an expert in the field <laughs> yeah What about and this is on we're on a tangent as well, but I like that this episode's coming out really authentically, even though we do have a quite (laughs) quite scripted um, script written. What about when people share their experience? Positive? Is that helpful or is that fucking annoying? Um, like if I'm going through something. If they're like, oh, my auntie's a celiac. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Sometimes it's really supportive. Like so Meg also has celiacs. So I can message her and be like, oh, my God, this just happened to me. And she'll be like, oh, that's awful. That's happened to me as well. And that's nice because, you know, then you feel less alone and, you know, there's someone else going through it. But, yeah, if someone's like, oh, yeah, once I got sick from eating, moldy bread (laughs) then you're gonna be like
1: not "Not the the same same, dude." dude
0: Um, Yeah, so there's just checking in on people, being considerate of their condition when you're making plans. So if their illness is food-based, that could mean checking the menu when you're booking somewhere with them or sending them the menu and saying, hey, like, how does this look to you? Is there anything you can eat there? As I said before, I get so much anxiety going out to dinner. So it's nice to go with people who get it. If their illness is more physical, and this might seem like a really straightforward one, but I've got a friend with like... a pretty bad physical condition and this is something that has like happened to him before but if you're planning an activity with someone who has a physical condition don't um plan like a hike with them <laughs> or like expect them to do something really strenuous yeah that makes sense yeah yeah um it's just inconsiderate because like obviously just That's assuming that they're gonna be able people to do are fucking morons
1: <laughs> some people really are to go back to the thing about checking the menu as well and maybe I just want to take everything to the next level but like find a good menu we were going to Adelaide I looked up one of the wineries and they had like you know, three gluten-free things, which yeah. one was like a bowl Hot of chips. olives and one was like a salad. And yeah. I was like, no, we're not going there because that's just going to be shit. Yeah. And we found like this beautiful Italian place. And I was specifically looking for somewhere that did gluten-free so that Meg could have a nice meal and not yeah. have to sit there with a bowl of fucking olives <laughs> and a green salad. Mm, yum. Yeah. So, you know, it it takes two seconds to it look does. into these things. Like, yep. And if you're, you know, if this is someone that's, you know, your friend or someone in your family, surely you care about their experience as much as your own. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You want them to have a really nice time and I've been invited to places where like I've literally checked the menu and I'm like okay cool well I'll be able to have hot chips that's it and then you go and everyone's like oh why are you only having hot chips like oh you know oh that's just salmon surely that doesn't have any gluten but like you can't take the risk
1: you don't know what they've put on that or what they've cooked that with yeah so I think and obviously celiac disease is probably the most common one that people are dealing with I think that you can tell from a menu yeah like they'll kind of say can be done gluten-free or you know there might be a tiny little gf next to two or three things that you think maybe they don't do it that well
0: yeah yeah definitely it's a really good sign if they have a lot of gluten-free options then you know that they might have a dedicated bench or dedicated fryers
1: yeah yeah so that's really important shout out to Jamelli's italian in brisbane that we're going to tonight they can do so many things gluten-free and for an italian restaurant. Um, But yeah, there's a big connection
0: between chronic illness and depression and anxiety. So I think one of the biggest things is being mindful of that as well. So understanding why they might have anxiety around like leaving the house and doing things and just making sure that they always feel included and loved. So for instance, if you are planning something that you think they might not be able to or might not want to do, say it's a big group activity, if you're going like, you know, on a picnic or something, still invite them and let them decide themselves. If they if they don't want to go or if they're not up to it, um, just so that they don't feel left out.
1: Yeah, totally. It's like that meme. It's like I probably won't come, but I still want to be invited. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's it's exactly fair. like that. That's always nice. That makes so much sense, and I think that that's really good advice on how to support someone. Um, Now, I know that there's probably a lot of these Mm -hmm. and we've kind of already touched on it. I think it's a bit fun. Um, Is there anything that you shouldn't say to someone with a chronic disease or illness? I think some of these are obvious. And if you're saying them, just fucking look in the mirror and reassess whether you're being polite. But I guess that there are some that we might not realize are quite impolite. And we could probably get into a whole list of these in regards to fertility as well. That's what I was about to say. Which we we have coming up. So we might save it for those. But yeah,
0: a lot of them, I mean, they could probably apply to a lot of the things people are going through. So yeah, I do cop a lot of these, but obviously it, yeah, for the most part, it's never with ill intent. So this is probably the most common one and this is rude. So
1: I'm just going to chime in with a commentary
0: on this (laughs) because I think it'd be quite entertaining. Yeah, go for it. So my weight fluctuates a lot sometimes I can go down a whole dress size or even two in a week when I'm really sick and obviously that's not intentional I would love nothing more than to eat food and have a nice booty in my togs rather than like Kev took a photo of me at the beach yesterday from behind and I'm like that could be the front of me (laughs) 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 it could be like the exorcist in my head's just like turned around (laughs) I did not expect that. That That's so cool. I'll show you the photo. Um, But, yes, so definitely not intentional and it does fluctuate a lot and it's something that I'm actually conscious of. But anyway, on a number of occasions, a lot of occasions, I've gotten from people, oh, I wish I had what you have so that I could lose weight. I have no self-control.
1: Can I just say this for anybody? If you don't know that somebody has been on a health and fitness journey and working on their physique You have no right to comment on their body. Yeah, absolutely. Ever. Ever. And that goes for little kids that are getting bigger yeah, and say, oh, my God, you're getting so big or look at your belly. Yeah. Or anybody that has gained weight or lost weight, unless you know that that is something that they are specifically working on, Shut your fucking mouth. (laughs) So true. I've even gotten like, oh, you're so lucky. Like, what? I just, you're like, I'd rather be 20 kilos overweight than vomiting every day. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And just like to be able
0: to enjoy food. Yes. Without, no no one wants to be throwing up
1: all the time. Oh, vomiting is the worst. (laughs) It's horrific.
0: Or running to the toilet. Like,
1: yeah. Like, it's awful. Neither of those things. It's like when people make a passing comment, like, oh, I could go a bound of gastro right now. Right? Like, no. Gastro
0: is horrific. Uh, Yes. So get that one all the time. I also get a lot of, oh, I eat gluten free sometimes too, which is just like, they're saying that like it's a choice, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a choice for us. We have to eat gluten free or we'll, you know, be completely bedridden. (laughs) I understand eating gluten-free because you, you know, want to or whatever or you feel better when you do it, but, like, you just don't need to say that to a celiac. Like, you understand what they're going through because Mm. it's not the same thing. One of my best friends has chronic fatigue and rheumatoid arthritis, which really impacts his life. He can't work. It obviously really impacts what he can do physically. He's kind of like me. If he feels really comfortable around someone, he doesn't mind seeing them when he's got a really bad flare-up. But I've seen firsthand how much pain he's in. And it's, it's horrific. And I feel like chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia are two of the big ones that people don't really understand. Anyway, one of the insensitive things that I, I hear him get a lot is, oh, I feel tired sometimes too. And it's like, no, what he experiences is completely debilitating. I like to explain it to people. is like, you know, when you've got the flu. Mm. And like your body aches, yes, that's how he feels all the time. Oh, yeah, that would be horrendous, horrendous. Um, and he gets all the time. I've seen this so many times. He gets like, have you tried acupuncture? Oh, yeah, acupuncture. Like that's gonna cure him. Yeah, and also things like I've had this so many times, but things like oh, have you tried this? Insert radical diet here, like some crazy. And also, someone very recently said to me, Have I tried prayer and mindfulness? Sorry, what?
1: Yeah. You know, I'm all for you can change your mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't think you can be like, I'm not a celiac. Yeah. If I tell myself (laughs) I'm not a celiac, (laughs) I will no longer be a celiac. My intestines will hear it and that. Have you been doing your morning anti celiac (laughs) affirmation? My gratitude. (laughs) I love bread. Uh, Bread bread loves me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so good I'm going to do that every morning. But, yeah, so this is one of the worst ones implying that it's in your head, that's just the worst. So I think that's something people with chronic fatigue, the people that I know, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but people with chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia get a lot, you know, it's in your head or it's, you know, caused by your thoughts or um, like they have any control over it. mm. Yeah. I've got family members who I don't speak to anymore that have definitely implied that my... Reaction to celiacs in my head because I'm an anxious person.
1: Yeah, wow. Well. Yeah,
0: so would love for them to see my colonoscopy. Yeah, wow. Well. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's probably one of the worst ones. A friend has OCD and they said that they
1: get... And I think this is just horrific. This is cruel. This is. I can read this on the script and it's making me angry. It made
0: me, like, I have goosebumps. I'm so angry about this one. So they get, oh, does everything have to line up neatly for you? And then they'll, like, push something slightly off centre and be like, does this stress you out? Why would you do that to someone?
1: That's fucked. It's so mean. That's like poking someone in the eye and saying, (laughs) does this hurt your eye? Yeah, it's. So cruel. I'm not worried about that OCD person. I'm worried about that person. Yes. That's fucking psychopath. psychopath. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. Or people. I know that people really flippantly say, "Oh, that's my OCD." Yes and i have met a few people now that genuinely struggle with ocd and i've seen how and i think i've probably made that flippant comment in the past oh, like i, think I like a things lot of to people be neat and tidy, yeah 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 um but i have seen how debilitating yeah genuine ocd is oh yeah it's so now i just say no it isn't
0: <sighs> this is the last one um just like reading the room so i was at a dinner party not too long ago and there was someone there who i've never met before in my life and in front of everyone They said, do you get a lot of diarrhoea? What?
1: (laughs) Why do they even want to know the answer to that?
0: Why would you ask someone that? That is just like, it was so awkward.
1: Or like say you were unwell at a party and you walked back in and someone was like, so did you vomit? Yeah, right? I've I've had that before too. Actually, I mean, I ask that when people are sick at the gym, (laughs) and they've like trained too hard, and they come back. I'm like, so did you vomit? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but that's different. That's like what lactic acid build up. Yeah, that's happened to me so many
0: times. But yeah, that was so awkward. Like, what What did did you you say? say?
1: I was just kind of... Do you, know, you, should, you know what you need to do going yeah. forward? You just need to be like, give me your mobile number and next time I can send you a photo. <laughs> yeah,
0: I can let you know exactly when it's happening. No, someone at the table was like, oh, Jesus Christ, and then we changed the subject.
1: Yeah, good. Yeah.
0: That person well, is smart. Yeah,
1: thank God. Smart.
0: Like you said, why would you want to know? Why would you put someone in that what, position? Yeah, what do you gain from that yeah. knowledge? I just That's... don't understand what the motive was other than to completely embarrass me.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing um, on this episode. I think it's a really important issue and I think that we have really shared some awareness given the people some tangible takeaways and I think we have made this a little bit more lighthearted and entertaining as yeah. well we've had a few <laughs> giggles as we've gone through so thank you so much for sharing thank
0: you for wanting to know more I thought of something cute, asking, like, what is the
1: meaning behind some of your tattoos? Nah, hate that. I'm do you hate that? It. I hate it when people ask me what my tattoos mean. Yeah. I don't know why. i have just like, That's when so people are like, oh, what's that for? I'm like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> I don't know why I hate it so much. What That's do you want to so know? so funny. I just want to know if you're a big Disney fan. Yes. Okay, cute. I had a, oh, actually, here you go. You can have the backstory. Yeah. Um when I well, it's kind of actually relevant to this whole episode. Yeah. When I was four years old, I had a kidney disease. Yes. Which was as a result of food poisoning. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And there was a really bad outbreak down in New South Wales, but I was the only case in Queensland.
0: Oh, my God. Um,
1: and as a result, I was hospitalised for I think around a month. That's wild. Um, my mum was tested, ready to transplant to me, and there was also a chance that I could have needed dialysis, which is, you know, what we've spoken about with Emmy. I was like in the 5% range that ended up coming out completely fine. Yeah. So I'm really, really lucky. I had to continue continue getting tested every year until I was 12.
0: Wow. Which
1: was like pretty traumatic as a kid because I had to obviously test my kidneys, so I had to like catch all of my ways for a 2-day yeah. period and put them in a big milk container which I just remember I just hated. Yeah. However, when I was in hospital, I watched Beauty and the Beast. Yeah on repeat and it just became like a running thing in the hospital. All the nurses were really, really kind and one of the toys that I got that I still have now is named Maurice. Yeah. That's the dad in yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Um, so at the top of my tattoo I have Belle and then I also have some of the other Disney princesses and then at the bottom I have Beast in a heart. So Cute. That's the story. See, that's so interesting. That's the reference. I'm very
0: glad I asked that question. Question, yeah. That's a very interesting answer. Can I ask you
1: what it was that gave you food poisoning? It was hot dog sausages. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't really eat hot dogs. Yeah. I, I, uh, I uh, don't, don't think, think you're missing out. They're no. It, yeah. So hot dogs, sausages. And usually it would be the youngest person in the family that would get sick, wow. but uh, my brother didn't get sick. I got really, really sick. Yeah. And I don't remember, I remember a little bit of it from being in hospital. I had to have blood tests three times a day. <sighs> And I remember some, like, really positive things about some of the nurses. Yeah, shout out to nurses. Yeah, very good. nurses can just make all the difference. One of the nurses actually, after I had left hospital, posted me a dream catcher
0: um,
1: in the mail from a fairy, which was, like, very mystical as a four-year-old. I thought it actually came from a fairy. Thank you for sharing. See, tattoo time is over and this segment (laughs) will never return. (laughs)
0: Thanks for listening today. If you are someone who lives with chronic illness or disease and have anything to add or advice to give other people in the same situation or people who want to learn more about how to support you, please message us on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you.
1: We would. And for everybody else, this is your one thing that you need to do this week. You have one call to action. If you are enjoying the pod, we would appreciate it so much if you could share it to your story so that other people can find it too. So any of our posts, if you could share them to your story, we would really appreciate it because that helps us grow. Yes, we would love that.
0: You can share it directly from Spotify as well and then people can just click on it and listen to it, which is really helpful. But anyway, guys, have the best week and you
1: will hear from us again next Monday. See ya. Bye.